Hello, and welcome back to K-Drama Rants. My name is Melody, and I like to rant about K-dramas. First off, let's start with the most important thing. Jung is not dead. He collapsed at the end of the last episode, so he's not fine, but he is alive and being taken care of. This week's episode, spelled Trouble in Paradise for Junho and Yongwoo, and I don't like it. Not a fan of that. I just want a happy ending, but before I can get it, I guess, I have to power through the rocky waters of their relationship first. So, this week's episode starts off by showing us the previous episode's events ending in Jung collapsing during trial. Now, Jung is in the hospital along with all of the lawyer team with him. He's scheduling his surgery for his stage three stomach cancer. So he finally get that diagnosis and it is not good, guys. Stage three cancer, that is bad. That is bad. That is, that's very bad. Everyone is very clearly concerned for his well-being understandably and relatably. And we learn that the prognosis isn't very good due to Yongwoo looking it up and the survival rate after five years of stage three stomach cancer is only 30%. How am I ever going to get through this show with Jung in the background like that? I'm so mad about this. Like, why do they have to give him such a horrible disease? What is the point of this? Oh, my God. The lawyers try to get him to eat something because he's in the hospital and he's not eating. But thing is, he's not hungry because he feels like he's just going to go throw up everything that he eats. And then Yongwoo suggests getting noodles from the place that closed down in Jeju, uh, Hengbok noodles. She's basically like, I'm sure we can convince a, a chef to make some noodles for a dying man. And I mean, like, yeah, like, who's going to deny a dying man his wish? Okay. Depends on the wish and depends on the dying man. But, you know, like, he's a generally good guy. He deserves his dying wish to be granted, especially if it's just some noodles. You know, it's pretty harmless wish. Anyway. Dung will hear no such thing about the noodles and tells them to forget about the noodles and just get to work. And in an exceptional show from Wu, she decides to go against his wishes and makes everyone split up to find the guy with the nudes. Makes us a strong word. Everyone was pretty down to grant a dying man his noodles wish. Like she would have to make everyone to do this. But yeah. And of course, because K dramas are nothing if not extra as heck, Toy and Kwan end up in a team, and Harry, Rami, Jung Ho, and Wu end up in the other. The math checks out. Don't worry about it. Two and four, absolutely. That's exactly how that team should have gone. Wu's team 
is in charge of going to Hangun Noodles, the other noodle place that was open. And they ask the cashier, who we can assume to be the owner, for info on the Hengbok owners. But he has no intention of helping them. And he even goes the extra mile to talk the restaurant down and claim that his business is the OG, the OG noodle place for Jeju. And I'm like, there has got to be more than two noodle places in all of Jeju. But like, sure, whatever, go off, King. And we learn that as they, the Hangun people, used to compete with the noodle shop, it wouldn't be very good for them, good for business, if the Hangbok people came back. And while he's saying all this, Jung Ho notices that there's a cook or a chef, unclear his status right now, in the back, listening in and looking a little sus on what the owner is saying. So we're definitely coming back to this. And meanwhile, Juan and Choi are talking to an Antima asking about the Hangbok Moodle people. And she tells a story that it used to be a mother-son duo and tells them that the reason why they shut down is because Hangun took their name, so like Hengbok, Hangun, similar enough, and started inviting over influencers and other celebs, which then started drawing the crowds to Hangun instead of Hengbok. And that's, a, that's some sneaky shit. That's some sneaky shit. And the funniest part about this interaction between this Ajima and Choi and Kwon is that she is leaving them way in the dust with her internet knowledge and her Apple Watch. I mean, I don't know if, in the, if it's an Apple Watch. I would assume it's like a Samsung watch. Just, just Korea. But you know what I mean. I'm like, you go, old lady. You go. Once the light has gone, we see Jung Ho staking out the Hangun place so that he can talk to the chef slash cook that was making faces during their talk with the owner. And it is hella dark out and Junho is railing behind him like a stalker all the way back to the hangbok noodle place and i'm like boy there is no need for you to do all this fucking walk behind him like 20 paces there is no need for you to do this why are you doing this just talk to the man when they get to the noodle place Junho sees the man taking out cat food to serve to the stray cats in the area and that's real sweet Real cute of this man. But again, what the fuck is up with Junho stalker behavior? You did not have to do all this, my guy. You did not. You really did not. So they sit down in front of the noodle place and we get another piece of the Hengbok noodle puzzle. The chefs, we get confirmation by this point, used to work under the owners of the noodle place and then got scouted by the Hangun noodle people and got paid to give away the noodle recipe. What a rat. Snitches get stitches, my guy. I know it's not the same thing, but Jesus, come on, my man. How dare you? How dare you? And he repeats the things that the Atima said to Choi and Kwon about the restaurant to Junho. Eventually, Junho finally asks him, where the chef of the Hengbok noodle place is. And the chef says that when he had gone to talk to the owner of the Hengbok noodle place, the owner had said that if the shop goes down, 
he was going to go to the place where the mountains and waters are good. Like, way to be cryptic. Super useful information. I love that. Then Jun Hall goes back to the group at the rental place to share this information. And nobody has a singular clue about what the cryptic shit about mountains and waters being good could possibly mean, except for Wu, who suggests the mountain water nursing home because she recalls having seen the name in one of the letters piled up in front of Hangbok Noodle Shop when they went to check it out. Because since it had been abandoned, letters and dirt were piling up on it. And then they decide that in order to show that Wu has a semi-photographic memory or a fully photographic memory, I have no idea if this is like a true eidetic memory, according to the show. Doesn't matter. She replays the moment when they went to the restaurant, pauses on like the scene where she's looking at the letters and zooms in on the address to get the address of the Mountain Water nursing home. Incredible. Do not get me wrong. Please understand. I am happy that this time it's a woman savant on screen. But I would like to see someone closer to my corner of the spectrum at some point. Like, not all of us are just just have that information in there. I wish that my memory worked like that. I can recollect seemingly unimportant things, but they're things that interested me. Like, I don't know, something like a palindromes. It's kind of interesting, so I just kind of remember it sometimes. But I can't just relive a scene and then, like, zoom in up. That's why. I don't think anybody can do that. <laughs> up until now, it's, it hasn't been, like, super fantastical what she can do. Yes, there's, like, scenes where she can recall exact paragraphs and like articles of laws and stuff but like you can use mnemonic devices for that and like you know work on being able to recall the contents of a page like that that's not outside of the realm of possibility but like reliving a scene like that come on come on why are we making it fantasy now i wish it would it, it worked like that but i don't think it does for anybody regardless of their savant status. After she shares this information, Junho and Yongwoo go to the nursing home to check it out. And they learn that the woman who owned the restaurant is now living there due to dementia and that her son goes to visit her once a month. But since he went yesterday, he's not due for another month. So they missed him. And as they leave the home, Jung calls Wu and tells her to stop looking for the man and to focus on their work. And I'm like, fair enough. Fair enough. She has a job. <laughs> However, when he hangs up, we get to see him in the hospital bed. He looks pretty touched that his team is doing this anyway, even after he told them not to. It's very cute. But we cannot focus on Jung's happiness for too long because we have to go back to court. And again, literally, the temple's only argument is that it's always been this way. And I cannot fathom 
how Hanbada is struggling with this case right now. This is not an argument. How is the judge accepting this as an argument? And then the monk says the quiet part out loud, basically that they can squeeze more money out of people to keep the temple running if they have the toll where they have it. So understandably, Wu asks the monk how much money they make from people who use the road, and he just basically hound waves it away. And she tries to keep pressing because the government gives them enough resources as it is and even tries to get them to show their income slash budget breakdown. And the monk refuses. And everyone in court is like, I can't believe she just did that. And like, yeah, it doesn't really have anything to do with the case. But also, why do they be guarding those details like that? Show us the docs. What are you doing that you don't want that info publicly available? Huh? It is a publicly funded temple. So I'd say that they should be required to make those funding details publicly available. Even if it's on request, they should be publicly available at some point. But we get nothing. We got no answers about this. And after court at the hospital, Jung is getting chewed out by a woman we have not met, but we later learn it's his ex-wife. And she is mad at him for staying in Jeju when he could be getting medical care closer to the place where he will be getting surgery in Seoul. And she's also mad because he didn't get scheduled for surgery immediately. And I'm like, I don't think you can just do that unless you have millions and millions of dollars. But okay. And like the anger that she shows is clearly the anger of someone who cares very deeply still for someone. Like it's very cute. And then the next bit absolutely ruins that. Because Wu comes in asking questions about how to win this case. So Jung introduces them to each other and Wu immediately goes in on sharing all the information she knows about his ex, which includes enduring Jung for eight years when all he would do is work. So Jung asks Jisoo for some space so that he can talk to Wu. And Jung tells Wu to focus on a legal reason as to why charging the money isn't legal rather than why the temple itself shouldn't be charging money. I know the distinction is very tenuous, but there is distinction there. Stop worrying about the fact that it's the monks charging the money, but rather start worrying that the money is getting charged at all. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what that means at this very moment, but I understand what you're saying. At which point, Jisoo leaves the room because she can't handle them talking about the case anymore. And it makes Jung really fucking sad because he gone diddly done it again. He talked about his job when his girlfriend is right there. <laughs> there are other things you could be focusing on right now, my guy. You are literally in bed because you have stage three stomach cancer, okay? Seems like there's other things you could be focusing on right now. But maybe that's just me. And so he asks Wu to leave. And as she does, Jisoo shares her feelings with Wu that he hasn't changed one bit. And it seemed like she'd been considering getting back together with him. But seeing him do the thing for which she'd broken up with him made her change her mind. She tells Wu that she left him because 
he made her feel lonely and she wasn't happy. Dude, bro, why the what did you have to hit me in the feels like that? Like, I have broken up with someone because it felt like that. And I do not doubt that someone could feel the same way about me someday. So it's like, why is that so real? I come to K-dramas for escapism. I don't come for realistic portrayals of relationships, okay? That's not what I'm here for. That's not what I'm here for. And so Wu leaves because her dad calls and she having adopted a new insecurity partially due to Jisoo's words and remembering what Junho's sister had said in the last episode about Junho taking care of her, she asks her dad if she could ever make someone feel happy because she knows that Junho makes her happy and that he can take care of her, but she doesn't know if the same is true the other way around. And I don't know if you heard that, but that, that was just the sound of my heart absolutely crumbling into pieces. I think this is pretty common for people with support needs, people who need to be cared for and also be accommodated for, feel that way really commonly because the way we can take care of people and make them happy can look very different from how someone who isn't like that can do right so it feels like we're not pulling our weight sometimes in a relationship which is partly why positive representation is important aside from all stories being deserving to be told seeing yourself in those stories helps you understand your plays so if all you're seeing is critical representation of people like you it's hard to think that you have worth and seeing someone like you thrive instead, like receiving and giving love freely, it does wonders for that psyche, baby. It's good. It's good to see someone who has autism being able to be there for the person they love, even if it's not in the same way that most relationships see other people being there. You know what I mean? I wish that they would have done that instead of going this route. But okay. And of course, because Wu's dad will never ever win a Dad of the Year award, he doesn't respond to her sharing how she feels about her relationship with Junho. And we cut to the saddest scene. I know we just learned the diagnosis of stage three cancer, but it still, it hurt. It hurt. This, this one hurt. We cut to Junho and Wu having a date, trying to see some more dolphins. Well, any dolphins, really. And even now, just thinking of this scene makes me a little teary-eyed. <laughs> there was no need for this. There are no dolphins to be seen. And Wu, clearly having been ruminating for a while on the feelings that I just shared, breaks up with Junho out of fucking nowhere dude like super out of left field so she breaks Junho's heart and absolutely stomps on mine because i'm like why would you do that you already fucking broke my heart earlier why are you trying to why are you trying to make it worse what's the point of that and the thing is she doesn't even communicate with him like she does not tell him anything about why she's breaking up with him do you know how fast Jun Hall would have made her feel better if he'd known why this was happening. 
I don't think he's one to lie to her and tell her that being with her is only sunshine and rainbows, but he could have told her that it was worth it or here's X, Y, Z that you do that makes this an equitable partnership. He could have done some, you know, literally anything. And he tries so hard to communicate with her and figure out why she's breaking up with him, but she's not budging on sharing her thought process here. And he thinks that maybe it's because they haven't seen the dolphins. I mentioned something that the monk said that seeing isn't everything, which triggers something in Wu's brain that helps her solve how they should argue the case. Basically, the road is public and they cannot charge to use the road. And look, seeing myself in her inability to stay in the moment because the puzzle she's trying to solve is always in the back of her mind was not very flattering. I was in that picture and I did not like it because obviously Jun Hall is completely destroyed by the fact that she started thinking about the case as she's breaking up with him. I'm not saying that I wouldn't have done the same thing, but I at least would have asked to pause the conversation so I could write down my solution and then come back to it after we're done with the emotional conversation. Yeah, it's not nice. And I very much recognize that the priority is the emotional conversation, but I cannot stop myself from thinking about at least three things at once. So when something comes to a head in one of those threads, I have to finish it because it's always there. I can't just stop thinking about it. There is a reason why the first time I ever got stoned was very distressing to me because at the time, I could only have one thought at a time. And that is a complete disruption to how my brain works at all times. It was very anxiety-inducing at the time because I was like, what? what do you need? I can't have two thoughts in my head at the same time. I usually have like at least three. What, what, what do you mean? There's only one thought in there right now. What, how, like, how do, you, how do you plan for the future if you can't just think about it while you're talking to someone? Like, what do you mean you, you don't fucking think of anything else while you're talking to someone? How do you do that? So now that I've felt what it is like to only think about one thing at a time, I can understand why for someone who isn't running at least two background processes at all times would find it very difficult to get that this is not the only thing I'm thinking about right now. And it, it just isn't. Okay, I don't have control over that. And I'm not sorry. I'm not saying that I don't care about the conversation that I'm having. I'm just saying that there are other things happening as well. Anyway, back to the show. Wu starts running off to talk to Jung about her solution. And like, that's a little beyond what I would have done. But again, I get it. I get it, dude. You just figured something out. Fuck, dude, you got to finish it. You got to finish what you figured out. I get it. So she starts running off. And Jun Ho finally loses it and yells at her asking for an explanation. And this is by far, for me, the worst part of this situation. Because even if she didn't have the right words, to explain why she was breaking up with him, which we know she does because she just talked to her dad about it. She could just say that she needs time to figure out how to say it or build up the courage to say it, but she says nothing. 
just an I'm very sorry. And of course, as they go their separate ways, a dolphin breaches and they miss it. Oh my God. Back in court, Wu gives her argument that the highway is public property, so the temple has no right to charge anyone when people are just using it for transiting. And the opposing lawyer immediately realizes that they've lost and Anbara's won the case. When they go into their cars after court, Wu sees that Junho is feeling steady spaghetti. So she decides to sit with Harry and Rami to get back to their rental home. And she tells Rami and Harry that she broke up with him. And like, way to save face for him, dude. That's rude. You don't have to say that you're the one that broke up with him. That's rude. Especially if you still like him. Let him save face. And of course, both Rami and Harry are like, what? Meanwhile, Choi had assumed that Wu and Jun-ho had a fight. So Choi and Kwan tell Jun-ho that they should go drinking. And they do. So we cut to him drunkenly trying to understand why she would break up with him. And Choi assures him that she's not about to break it off with him because of some dolphins or because Jung is sick. And Kwan very reasonably suggests that maybe it's because things are going too fast for her and she wasn't ready to meet his family. So Choi keeps picking on Kwan for being reasonable. So Kwan is like, literally, what is up, dude? Like, why do you keep doing that? Why do you keep saying that it's, like, surprising that I am a rational human being? And, of course, the attention is immediately redirected back at Junho when he entertains this theory. But, you know, at least Kwan is catching up that Choi is catching some feelings. And I'm like, please do not have him have a happy ending because he does not deserve it. But anyway... As Junho is entertaining Kwan's theory about things going too fast, Kwan absolutely fumbles the reasonable streak he was having by saying that Wu is too much for Junho, and Choi immediately comes for her rescue. However, this time, he was not referring to her autism, but rather the secret that he's trying to keep that Tesumi is her mom. And he catches himself, but Choi still sus about it. Even though she says nothing, she, like, looks at him. She, like, what were you about to say? What were you about to say? And then the moment is broken because he saves her from drinking a bug in her glass, which is bare minimum, my girly. You should not be impressed by this. And in the other end of this breakup story, Wu and her pals are at a noreba, a karaoke room. And she's wearing her noise-canceling pet bones. And Rami and Harry are singing their little hearts out on breakup songs at first who's just vibing but then the song started talking about being a burden to the other person that was getting a little rough for her she started getting teary-eyed about it and then we go back to Junho's cohort who makes it back to the rental and Kwon is putting him to bed but Choi says that she's got some words for him and they meet out in the balcony, and she's asking him why he's being nice since he's usually a jerk. And he immediately clocks that she's catching them feeling, but like in a joking way. And he's like, oh, you don't like me, do you? And she does not refuse. And he's like, wait, you do? Wait, what? I missed it. <laughs> How? Do, when did you catch them feelings? <laughs> 
So they have a cute moment, just looking at each other. And here I am saying, like, do not give Quan a happy ending, at least not until you put him through the ringer. I want this man to suffer. I want him to have a bad time. But I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think they're going to do that. Because there's only, like, two episodes left. And, like, where, where are they going to put him through the ringer? Where, 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 which, on which part of this show? There's only two episodes left. How, how are they going to do this better? So, I am trying to make my peace with Quan having a happy ending. I'm trying to, I'm trying, okay, I'm trying. At this time, while they're looking at each other on the balcony, of course, in plain view for anyone walking across the street, Wu's team pulls up to the house and Rami catches Choi and Quan's moment and realizes that Quan is not going to go after her. So she goes back to the Norebang with Harry, who realizes that means that Choi is also off-limits. If they're together, obviously, Choi cannot be with Harry. Then the next day, Junho is helping Jung pack for their trip back to Seoul at the hospital. And Junho asks Jung about his ex-wife who left for Seoul already. And Jung gives Junho some unsolicited advice about fighting to be with the person you love, even if you separate for a bit. And I'm like, look, man, love is not nearly enough, okay? Like, I get where you're coming from. You really like this person. You really loved this person. But, like, you needed to change as a person. You can't just hold on to somebody and drag them down while you're not bettering yourself. You know what I mean? Like, you have to do something. You really do. You really do in order to keep them. You know what I mean? But, of course, we don't get all of that. We just get hold on to them tight. It's just like, okay, bud. So back at the house, as people are getting ready to visit the temple before leaving Jeju, Kwon and Choi are being weird around each other, even though nothing apparently happened. And of course, Rami's also being weird, though Kwon has no idea why. She's just like staring at him and shit. Like, Rami, you do not need to do all that. Kwon doesn't deserve it. You're better than he is. They all get in their cars and pass the now defunct toll for the road on their way back to the temple. So Jung and the team sit down with the main monk. And Jung offers his help getting them more funding to replace what they lost and figure out how to minimize the wildlife damage that a road running through their temple grounds is doing. And all the lawyers, all the junior lawyers, get very impressed that Jung is doing this kindness. And it's a very touching scene. He's like, you deserve to be able to self-govern your temple. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? That's fair enough. That's fair enough. You don't deserve public road money. But you deserve to take care of your temple the way you see fit. That's fine. And because it's getting late, the monk then invites them for dinner. And he shares with Jung that Jung be looking bad, bad. And so he recommends praying to overcome this problem she's having. And Wu notices that they've been staying behind to talk to each other. And so she waits for Jung and compliments him on making the offer to the temple to help them. And she says that it's worth having worked so hard to the point of getting stomach cancer. And instead of Jung being like, uh, what? He thanks her. 
And I'm like, okay. So they finally make it to the place where they were going to eat dinner. And Jung mentions that the noodles remind him of the hangbok noodles, which sparks the idea in his mind that maybe the chef from the restaurant is working at the temple because the temple is in the mountains and there's a stream running through it. So it's where the mountains and the water is. Are good? Happy? I don't remember. It's irrelevant. It's the thing they were referencing at the beginning of the episode. So she runs to the kitchen and finds him. And she asks him to make noodles for a dying man. But he's like, I don't run that restaurant anymore and I can't make meat at a temple. And laments what happened to his restaurant. But Wu, being inspired by what just happened between the monk and Jung, says that they can help. They can help contest to the name of the restaurant that took their business, and they can protect his recipe using trade secret laws. So he accepts their help and takes them back to his restaurant and makes the noodles that Jung misses so terribly. And the chef is very grateful to the lawyers about getting his shop back. And let me tell you, those noodles look busting, busting. Now I want noodles. (laughs) I'm not going to eat noodles, but now I want them. And as Jung is eating, he looks looks like he's about to cry over the noodles. And I relate to that. Good noodles can do that. And also, every time I go back home, and eat holiday food from back home, I'm always like, damn, they really do not make food like this literally anywhere else. Like, we export music to the entire world, but our food, for whatever reason, is not making the rounds. And I'm like, that's fine, but you're missing out. You're missing out, okay? (laughs) So they eat their noodles and they get back on the plane to get back to Seoul. Choi takes Junho's seat next to Wu in order to prevent them from having to sit awkwardly next to each other after breaking up. And then after they all sit down and the plane takes off, the show starts playing a song sang by the actress who plays Wu. I think her name is Park Eun-bin. I'm uncertain. And she low-key sounds like Enya. Like, very low-key. Don't even try to compare the two. It's not really a one-to-one comparison like that. But she just kind of sounds like Anya. I don't know how to explain it. So at the end of the episode, we get confirmation that Han of Hanbada fame was not hiring Wu out of the goodness of her heart because she calls up the reporter slash investigator who's looking into Tesumi's illegitimate daughter and tells him that she will provide proof of Wu being Sumi's daughter as long as he publishes the article right before the confirmation hearing of Tesumi's political position. And Jesus Christ, what a move. Why are these two high-powered girlies so bitchy? Like, honestly, does everything that you do have to be a power play? Does everything that you do have to be calculated like that? Come on, man. Just let other people live. We do not have to be like this. Still a power move, though. So that was episode 14 of Extraordinary Attorney Wu. And I gotta say, I am not liking where things are headed with Kwon. I really do not like them. He's being painted in too good a light for the dick that he is. 
And I don't even want to talk about the situation that Wu and Jun Huang find themselves in. I know it's a K-drama and things will be sorted out in the end, but God, do I hate the episodes where the couples are going through a rough patch. I really only want good things. I know it's very compelling television that that would be. And I swear to God, if John doesn't beat cancer by the end of this show, I am going to be so upset. I might start bawling. I might legitimately start ugly crying if Jung dies. Because <laughs> I am so invested in this man. I do not want him to die from cancer. He cannot leave us from cancer, okay? That's not what I want. I want him to have a happy, healthy, long life full of love and laughter. That's what I want. And I really, really hope I get it. And because I'm messy like that, I cannot wait for the fallout of everyone learning that Wu is Tessunin's daughter. And I'm like, there are only two episodes left in this show. How much drama could we possibly get? I feel like this could have been milked for so long. And they only are going to give us two episodes with it? That's suspicious. Are they not going to do it? Are they not going to release this information? We'll see. We'll see. So that's the end of this episode. And if you'd like to reach out, please feel free to do so through email at koreandramarant at gmail.com. I'll catch you next week with episode 15 of Extraordinary Attorney Woo. So there's only two episodes left. I cannot believe that I've been doing this for months now. And I've been having a great time. See you next week. Bye.